This is Sebastian Curian, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 210, which is, you know, crazy to me that we're there. We're also into November of 2019. How crazy is that? So hopefully you guys are well into your dream chase journey. You're working on it. You're doing your thing. Uh, Officially, I want to thank you guys because in October for birthday month, we raised $1,408 for Mental Health America. And I'm so grateful and thankful for you guys for the support you gave for that. I know it's late, but this is the first recording we did after that and the first one you'll be able to hear. So I wanted to make sure I put it out there Thank you guys for all of that support. Couldn't have done it without you. And we're just going to keep the fun going because I have a friend of mine here. Yeah, everybody's a friend. But, you know, Sebastian is a good friend. He is a corporate counsel at Google supporting its energy and location strategy team. Before that, he was at Amazon corporate counsel again, where he was the lead global utilities lawyer for Amazon Web Services. Not only that, he was the assistant general counsel of Clark Construction he worked at Miles and Stockbridge. Uh, he's a Malayali. He's a friend. He was from Baltimore. You know, it's just, I had to have him on, right? When I first started going into law school and thinking, you know, what other Indians, Malayalis in particular, which is where I'm from, uh, which is my culture and background, I couldn't really come up with anyone. Sebastian was actually one of the first uh, Malayalis that I knew that went into law, which was crazy because we we're like, we have lawyers like us. And so we had actually talked briefly, at least, uh, when I was considering it and was stoked to kind of keep in touch with him throughout and see his journey. And he's here today. We're going to talk to him. We're going to have some fun. We're going to learn a lot. And I hope you enjoy. Sebastian, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Amy. I was, You know, I've been wowed uh, by you doing this. I just think it's really cool, something totally different. I think the older I get and the more senior I sort of get in my career, I just, I just have a lot more respect for people who do things, you know, off the beaten path. So congrats to you. It's been a successful podcast. It's, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm having fun with it. And the best part, you know, is really when I bring on people who are doing something that's not normal for their culture, for their gender, for their, uh, you know, religion, whatever it is, people who are doing things abnormally, but really it's not. I mean, you've gone and kind of trailblazed a path for Indian lawyers, which has been an amazing journey, right? Not only were you at a law firm, but you went from the law firm to a private company and then you went to Amazon and then you went to Google and you just received the Minority Corporate Counsel Association's Rising Star Award this year. Congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> That's phenomenal. And you're still so young. You're <laughs> still so young. And so this is amazing to me. And I hope you understand how 
important what you've done is, even though you're not doing it for that, your actions and your journey are being seen by people. It's, it was seen by me. It was seen by Jamie. You know, we it was important to us. So, you know, kudos to that, by the way. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I mean, I, I it, it's funny because I, 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 I was not really, um, I never defined myself as Indian growing up. I mean, most of my friends were Caucasian. Um, I was Catholic. And mm-hmm. so the people I worship with were, were, were not minorities. And so I sort of rejected that side for a really long time. And it wasn't until, God, it probably wasn't until I got to Amazon where I got woke, so to speak, where I started to realize that, you know, it's important. Uh, one, uh, yeah, I recognize the fact that I'm a minority. I recognize the fact that when people see me or, or interact with me, um, they see me as a minority. And, and I've, I've totally embraced um, trying to be a role model for others who look like me or in, are in similar situations and trying to get where they're trying to get to. And, you know, it's not an easy path doing something that's different, right? I mean, I know you didn't intentionally choose it for that purpose or anything like that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think you did. But why law? Like, have you always wanted to be a lawyer? Was that something in you? Yeah. So I get this question a lot and I, I really wish I had one of those answers. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I, I wanted to fight for justice or I had this situation happen in my life. And it's a it really the story that TVs school. are made of TV shows are made of. Yeah, exactly. Um, for me, it, it was nothing like that, to be honest. It was more I was in college had really no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I had so many different interests and I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll go to law school by three extra years to figure out what it is I want to do with my life. So that's really what led me to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no sort of you know, Cinderella-like story behind it, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but it turned out in hindsight to be, uh, you know, I'm super happy where I am today. So it turned out to be a good decision. I would not recommend people do that today. Um, I think you should, you know, have a general sense of why you want to go to law school. It's, it's certainly not cheap. Um, but you know, for me, it worked out. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about that for a second, because, you know, of all the options you could pick, right. If you wanted extra time, there was the dental side of life. There's medical side of life. There's, there's all these other options. Was there something about law though, that made it seem like, Hey, this is acceptable. Well, (laughs) The, the the medical field, dental field, anything with science and math was uh, sort of off the table for me because I was horrible mm. at math. Um, I was horrible at chemistry. I was horrible at all that stuff. But what I was really interested in, I was a political science major at Penn. Um, I really liked political science. I like things in business. I just thought that a law degree would be versatile and it would really help me build off of the strengths that I had. Um, so that's why it was a natural fit. But like you said, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, our community, I, I don't think there were any uh, lawyers, um, certainly not not folks who worked at big law firms. So I was going into it very blind and, and had no idea what I was sort of getting myself into. Yeah. And, and, you know, oddly enough, that's one of the reasons I went to law school is the versatility of what you can do yep. after you get that degree. But again, really kind of be sure what you want to do, guys, because this is an expensive versatility, you know, for that yeah. education. It really is. But then you you come out and, you know, you're not wrong in that uh, 
it's it's a whole new world for for Indians, really. And for you to kind of go in, you see what you see on TV in movies about corporate law firms and what it is. Was it the same for you being a minority or even as someone coming in as a lawyer? Or did you have a different experience? Well, it's also funny, you know, I I didn't really have that uh, story that a lot of people have in going to law school. The other thing was, I actually was never interested in TV shows or movies around the law. I I just really had no interest in that You never watched The Firm? John Grisham movies? No, I didn't. I think the only the only legal movie or show that I really enjoyed was A Few Good Men uh, with Tom Cruise. That was that was pretty much it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really have preconceived notions of what it would be like working at a big law firm. I guess I guess it was a little shocking to me in that I, I came from a very blue collar family, and again, I didn't. And our community tended to be very blue collar. You didn't have folks who worked in um, you know, investment banking mm-hmm. or, or big law firms or, you know, some of those white shoe, um, white shoe professions. And so I guess I, in my mind, I had this impression of what life would be like day to day. And honestly, it's, it's nothing like that. And I, I loved my experience at Miles and Stockbridge. It was a great law firm to start with. Um, but working at a big law firm, going through that grind was just something that like I, I cannot see myself doing now and um, certainly would not have had a long-term sustainable career doing that. So for those who are interested in law or like, hey, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about this law, big law firm life. Um, is what they say about working long hours, right? Not just 40-hour weeks, but maybe even 60, 70-hour weeks. Is that still a true representation so that people can kind of have a sense of it? If they're listening in now, that's yeah, no, it absolutely is. I mean, I think 60, 70 hours a week is probably is probably a good a good week. Um, I was going to say that's that might be week. low. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, my my biggest thing was I felt like I was on call twenty four seven, and so it was really hard to unplug and, and have a life outside of the office. I mean, I remember when I was going away for a long weekend, um, it was actually to Puerto Rico. I was going to propose to my then uh, girlfriend then fiance and now wife. Um, and a partner like dumped some project on me the Friday before I was supposed to leave. And thankfully I had teammates who were like, you know, we know you have a big weekend plan. We're willing to pitch in and help you out with this. But I mean, that that's rare. I mean, I can't tell you the number of, people that I know or situations when I was at a law firm where weekend plans were totally uh, rejiggered because of work that would pop up. Yeah. And guys, I'm not saying that this is only law firms. Other jobs and occupations have that kind of a lifestyle. But, you know, if you see on TV and we often say, you know, what you see on TV isn't a great reflection. Here's someone who is not on TV yet, maybe. Uh, but has gone through it and is is kind of like, you know, hey, that's that is the life now. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of boring document review, a lot of filling in the blanks. It's it's not very glamorous. It's not. But I can imagine even um, you when you went to corporate, right, working for Clark, uh, that probably was was it the same amount of work? Was it less? It was going from a law firm to private corporate uh, different. 
Yeah. Well, so it is different. Um, and whether it was Clark or Amazon or Google, what I always tell people is that my days, whether at any of those three companies, are actually more intense than they ever were at a law firm. Um, but the nice thing is, once six o'clock, whatever rolls around, it's much easier to unplug from the day and focus on what it, whatever it is that, that I want to focus on. Uh, these days, I, I read a lot. So that, that's what I do at night. And it's easier for me to get away during weekends and, and actually take vacations. But the intensity of the day is, is, is very different just because your, your clients are really busy you know, during that eight, nine hour period. Uh, they also tend to have lives at the end of the day. And so they're not trying to bother you uh, all too much. So um, yeah, the, the number of hours are less, but I think the intensity and the challenge is a lot less as well. Or, or sorry, is a lot more. But the other thing is I find in working with um, in-house with these companies, I actually like what I do mm-hmm. a lot more and I feel a lot more personally invested in it. So you know, of course, naturally, that means that I'm going to take things a lot more seriously than uh, I would have at a law firm. You know, the whole goal at a law firm is just to pad your hours and, and, and get as many billable hours as you yeah. can um, in-house. It's, it's very different. And, and at, especially at a publicly traded company, a lot of your compensation is based on stock. And so if the company does well, you do well financially. And so there's this inherent uh, motivation built in there. That's true. That's a very good point. Now, in all of this, what, what impressed me was you also did something that's rare of people in our community. Um, and that is you went from the East Coast to the West Coast. And they're not the same. <laughs> like, how do you make that kind of a leap? Because also, like, when I say it's not the same, I've, I, I've been to the West Coast. I've stayed at the West Coast for a bit. West Coast has more of a laid back vibe to it whereas i think the east coast everybody's like hey we got things to do places to be there's a thing to it um did you have any reservations about making that jump or kind of taking that leap yeah i definitely i mean i had not lived outside of a hundred mile radius of baltimore Mm -hmm. my entire life i um born and raised in baltimore went to college in philly back to law school in baltimore and then, you know, lived and worked in D.C. a little bit. So that's all I knew. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I knew somebody from Seattle in college. And when I heard that he was from Seattle, I'm like, that, that's like in Alaska, right? Like, where, where the heck, <laughs> heck is Seattle? Um, you know, it just seems so cold. And, you know, that's sort of where the gold rush happened. Uh, so it was a super foreign concept. But at the time when... Uh, Amazon reached out to me and um, I got the job offer there. I, I was at an inflection point in my career where I was super miserable at a law firm that I was working at in DC. Um, around the time I was diagnosed with major depression and I was just really rethinking what it is that I want out of life and what is it that I want to do with my career in life. And so I felt like I really had nothing to lose. And so I was just really excited and ready for that move and that challenge. And I also, it's helpful that I, that, that my wife um, is, is a lot more adventurous than me. She's lived in Brazil and uh, 
overseas in England and she's traveled a lot wow. and she's lived all across the US. And so she definitely like pushed and encouraged that move. Uh, but to your point about the differences, yeah, I mean, people are so much more laid back out here on the West Coast. Um, I think people are people are nicer. Um, it's less, it's definitely less pretentious. I mean, the East Coast, there's a lot of, you know, where'd you go to school? What do you do? Um, people sort of define you based on your career. Here, a lot of it is, you know, what is it that you like to do on the weekends? Um, you know, what, where do you like to travel to on the weekends? Um, it, it, and it's a little different between Seattle and San Francisco. San Francisco, you have a lot more of the startup mentality mm. and everybody's trying to, you know, get their side hustle to find their next billion dollar unicorn here or there. Uh, but still, people people are super laid back. I mean, I, I remember when my parents visited uh, I think it was last Thanksgiving and I, I had to go into the office and I'm wearing t-shirt and jeans and they're like, aren't you going to get ready for work? And I'm <laughs> like, no, this is why I wear to work every day. Um, I, I cannot remember the last time I wore dress slacks to the office. And I definitely don't miss that. Uh, I bring my dog to the office every once in a while, which doesn't happen on the East coast. Yeah. Um, I moved out here and got like two half sleeve tattoos on my arms, which is a big thing out of the West coast. And I always think about like the, the reason why I don't go any further down on my arm is like, well, what if I ever do move back to the East coast? Like, I feel like, like it's just not acceptable. People, right. people judge it a lot more. Whereas here out on the West coast, I mean, nobody cares, um, which is nice. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because making that move, making a leap into a different environment, because I didn't do East Coast, West Coast. I did Baltimore, Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. Philadelphia is different from Baltimore just because Perfect. Philadelphia is an old city. Um, nothing wrong, Philadelphia. Please don't jump me next time I'm there. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is different. But I think making that leap was something I had to do at that time. and was definitely outside my comfort zone. And it sounds like you did something yeah. as well, but you had... Uh, a wife who was supportive to help you kind of make that transition. And you've been there now, what, six, seven years? Yeah, I've been out on that on the West Coast now. It's coming up on six years now. Yeah. So I definitely, I mean, I, I probably, when I introduce myself, I tell people I'm from California and you know, I definitely feel like I'm more of a West Coaster than an East Coaster here. I mean, to your point about, um, you know, it takes a lot of courage. It, it results in a lot of change. I mean, I've definitely changed as a person and a human being moving out here because you get out of your comfort zone. Uh, you're away from family. You're away from the friends that you grew up with. And so, I mean, your mentality, your way of thinking changes a lot. I mean, I, I, I would have never thought that, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, if I told myself, when you're in your late 30s, you're going to be in a one-bedroom, you know, apartment in San Francisco with a dog, uh, no kids. I would have been like, "There's no way that's going to be my life." Um, and you know, that's what it is today, and I'm, I'm I'm happy about it. I'm definitely happier than the alternative. So, yeah, that's awesome. But what I do want to talk about is something you you mentioned briefly, which was um, being diagnosed with depression. You know, as you were there, um, as you were going through life here, right? um, Right now, are well, let's kind of backtrack. You were diagnosed clinically, like officially, right? This wasn't a, I feel like I'm depressed, right? You went to a doctor and you were diagnosed. One, it's uncommon 
for Indians, Malayalis, mm-hmm. I think saying Indians in, is enough, actually, to go to a doctor and get diagnosed. And it's, yeah. uh, it's another thing to accept that diagnosis as well. For those who are listening and maybe struggling, how did you build up the courage to go? Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm very open about the the struggles that I faced uh, with depression and mental health issues. I mean, I would love to become more of an advocate about this. So I love the opportunity to, to chat about this yeah. and, and hopefully, you know, it, it gives others sort of the courage and motivation um, to the extent that they're facing issues or, or have challenges. So, you know, I, I remember, I mean, thinking back on it, I remember being in high school and just getting sad for no particular reason. Um, and there would be occasions like that that would, would happen in college and then into my career. And during those periods, I grew up in a very religious household. And so it was, well, you know, go, go pray on it. Uh, maybe that'll make you feel better. Um, and so I, I, would, I would try to do that. I, I, I never thought that, you know, like depression was something that would affect me or anybody that I really knew. I thought this was something that you saw on TV or people who just wanted to put a name to something that um, they're sad for no particular reason. Um, And then also, I would also think about, you hear about these celebrities or pro athletes who seem to have everything, you know, great career, um, you know, uh, great, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, and they're famous, they're rich, and they commit suicide, or they have depression. And I remember thinking to myself, like, really, like, how would those people be depressed? And I think at the time where I started to come to terms and wanted to go to a doctor, I think a lot of people looked at me and thought, you know, here's a guy who has had a really good career. Um, he's doing well financially. He's you know, got a great wife. Like, what does he have to be sad about? And that was definitely a challenge um, to get the courage to go to a doctor and um, face the reality. But um, at the time, there, there were a couple things that happened. Um, I had an uncle who was very close to me. He was sort of the first person in my family that I was really close to. He had passed away. And that, that led to sort of even worse feelings of depression. And I, I, I talked to a coworker actually about it and, and just told him about the feelings I was going through. And he was like, you know, you should probably go see a medical professional about those issues. Um, and he opened up to me about his, his battle with depression. And he, he was somebody who I looked at and was like, really? Like, yeah, you, you would be depressed. Like, you know, he was always super well-dressed. He had a lot of money. Um, he had a great family. It's like, how can you be depressed? You know? And so I think it's like hearing his story and him being open with me, uh, forced me to confront things. And so, um, yeah, I went to a doctor and, and went through the typical tests that they do and they asked different questions. And it was very clear that um, I was um, suffering from clinical depression. Uh, he had recommended um, therapy, which I also was was a little skeptical of. I'm like, really? Like, how's this supposed to help? You yeah. know? And but I, there was tremendous value in that. Um, so combination of therapy and taking antidepressants, which, you know, I, I think I was, um, I was a little ashamed of at first and, and, and uh, wasn't necessarily a believer, but 
I mean, that was a game changer, um, particularly. I, and I think, and I think one of the other motivating factors was, um, I mean, I, I had very seriously contemplated suicide and I had thought that on several occasions, but I think it was 2011, 2012, I mean, planned out exactly how I was going to do it and, and was constantly thinking about um, of just <laughs> pulling the trigger, so to speak. Um, and that's when I was like, all right, like, this is not, this is not normal. Is that when you went um, to see the doctor? Should, it was, it was about the same time. Okay. Yeah. So you see the doctor, you, you have the prescription. When you said it was a game changer, was it the combination of therapy and medicine or was it the diagnosis altogether? Like what was the game changer for you? I would definitely the medicine and um, the therapy, the combination of the two were definitely game changers. And I think for people who do suffer from depression, it has to be a dual pronged approach. Mm -hmm. Um, The medicine definitely impacts the biological aspects uh, that drive depression and something like I, there's definitely a family history uh, in our family and, and, you know, Indians as a community, and I don't, it doesn't matter if you're South Indian or North Indian, they're, they're really embarrassed about, those things, you know, they don't want to admit it or talk about it because they'll think, I think parents will think, well, what is it that I did in raising yes. my child that led to that depression? And that's not the thing. I mean, it's it, a lot of it is genetic um, and there's no helping that. Um, and the other side where therapy comes in is there are also experiences that you may have had in life that, were, that have been exasperated by uh, the biological medical aspects of it um, that need to be addressed. And and therapy is a great tool in doing that. And it's a lot of cultures, guys, and not just Indians. Indians, because we can relate to it, but a lot of cultures and um, backgrounds, right? This isn't just a one culture thing. But for a lot of people, especially cultures, though, sometimes it's easy for them to kind of be in denial about it, right? And just not accept it. For Indians, for Indians, a lot of it is is shame. You know, that's like a big thing Huge. in Indian communities is shaming your family, failure, um, sh- shaming your community. Whereas you know, there are a lot of other cultures, whether it's you know the African American culture or the Hispanic com- culture, there's a lot of machismo behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, where um, oh well, you know, I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to deal with it on my own. Yeah. I don't need uh, a doctor or some therapist to talk to me about my problems. So you're right. I mean, it, it is a cross-cultural issue for sure. It absolutely is. And you were right in that it is a shame thing in that parents and families are looked upon as what did you do wrong versus what could have happened, right? But nobody says that about cancer or anything else. I mean, these are diseases just as much as physical diseases. And the thing is, people will say is, hey, you just need to pray harder. You just need to pray more. And I'm like... You know, for me, the thought is, well, I I agree that we should pray, but God also provided these smart people called psychiatrists and therapists, and I should probably utilize them too, because he, he provided them also in my life. So I'm yeah. like, it, it, it's slowly changing. It's got a long way to go. But, you know, the you are an example of someone who kind of fought that. So can I ask if you, did you feel supported? after you got the diagnosis and you kind of went and saw the doctor or did you kind of get some pushback? Cause sometimes there's denial also with, with what you hear. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely 
pushback from family uh, with my parents. But, um, you know, what I found was I started to be very open about it with people that I was very close to as far as friends. And just a number of my friends who are people in my social circle who have dealt with this either personally or through their family, um, it was really comforting. I mean, there was definitely this support system out there. And, and you'll find that people people are very willing to open to openly talk about this stuff. I mean, it's great that it's, it's, it's more and more visible. It's, it's, it's certainly more acceptable. Um, and I want to go back to, you mentioned, you know, depression is an illness, just like cancer yeah. or, you know, a lot of these other, um, uh, other health issues. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I tried, so last year, um, moved to California, you know, super sunny and I got this great job at Google and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll, I'll try to wean off of antidepressants and mm-hmm. let's see how that goes. And I tried that and I was doing it under the supervision of a doctor, um, which if you want, if someone ever wants to try to do this, they should absolutely do it under the supervision of a doctor. Um, and I thought, okay, like I'm in a good place. Like I think therapy has helped. Life situation is fantastic. Yeah. Again, I have nothing. And it's still that old uh, backwards way of thinking of, well, I have nothing to be depressed about. Right. So let me, let me, let me wean off of these drugs. And man, I remember um, being in, like, I love fitness. I go to the gym every morning and, and I'm at the gym one morning and I just have no motivation. I'm just, mm. I, I just want to start crying for no reason. You know, there's nothing bothering me, but I, I really just want to start, stop, start sobbing. And those suicidal thoughts are coming back and I'm like, all right, like, I'll just go to the Bay Bridge over there and just like, just end it. Like, right. I just want to finish it. And thankfully, and, and you know, I, I don't know, and, you know, I, I'm not a religious person anymore, but there was definitely some something there that forced me to go back to the doctor and talk about it and, and realize that this issue is a disease like any other disease. And you're not out there curing cancer by just doing therapy or praying harder, whatever it is. I mean, it, it, it has, there, there's a medical issue behind it. And so it needs to be treated uh, medically. And, and yeah. part of that is with medicine. So, And, and I want to go to something you were talking about, um, which is you can, a lot of people don't realize people who put on happy faces who have things that you have nothing to be depressed about, you know, may be more susceptible to depression. Sure. Right. Because, you know, what's it all for? Right. There are questions that come up and it, it doesn't have to make sense. Right. You can have the house, you can have the, the family, you can have the, the faith, but you can still suffer and you can still yeah. not understand why it's happening, how it happened. What did I do wrong? There's sometimes no answers to that. And I, I just want to make sure people don't who are listening don't think, you know, I don't fit the criteria. There is no criteria. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so as you were going through this, as you were kind of walking through it and, you know, we're talking about careers and, and, you know, relationships and things. Did you ever think of cutting back on something? Um, You know, whether it was, you know, let me take a step back from my relationship or was it let me let me stop working in this industry or if it was, hey, I need to reevaluate life, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, absolutely. So around the so going back to 2012, um, there was there was a lot of stuff that happened around that time period with you know getting diagnosed with depression yeah. and um, the passing 
was kind of my uncle who, who was like um, a, um, a grandfather to me. Um, I also was just, I was absolutely miserable at mm-hmm. this law firm in DC. Um, I wasn't happy with the work that I was doing. I felt like my career had really, and not just stalled, but I felt like it had gone backwards. Um, Cause I felt like, I mean, I, you know, I, I, w- I was valedictorian of my high school. I went to an Ivy League college. I did really well in law school. Um, I was doing really well at Miles. And so my career and, and, my, and the trajectory was always on the up and up. And then I get to this firm in DC. And some of it was, I was sort of used to being a big fish in a small pond in Baltimore. Mm. And DC and Baltimore are two very different cities. They are. Um, I go to DC and I just... I, Probably for the first time in my life, probably since college, I felt like a small fish mm. in a really big pond. Um, and I, I just wasn't ready for that. Um, and layering on top of that, some of the, some of the medical depression issues, I, I thought about quitting. I was like, this is not, this is not what I want to be doing. I'm not happy. Um, I always thought, you know, having a high paying, what on paper looks like a prestigious job would, would bring me happiness. And that was not the case at all. And so I was very, very close to quitting my job and just trying to figure out what it is I want to do with my life. Um, I had a couple options. I was looking at possibly joining the Air Force. Uh, actually, I was talking to a legal assistant here at Google about this earlier because he, um, he's in the uh, reserves for, for the Navy. I mean, he's got to go to trainings, training soon. But I thought about joining the Air Force as an officer. Uh, I thought that would be exciting. I was always interested in sort of national security right. defense kind of work and started to really love travel. And I thought it would be a really cool adventure just to, you know, uh, do something totally different and travel around the world and have this uh, interesting military career. But around that time, the Obama administration was cutting a lot of the officer ranks in various branches of the military. And so um, I, I made it pretty far along in that process. And uh, then I got word that they were delaying things for several years. So I was like, all right, well, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other option was my wife had gotten accepted to a fellowship program in Zambia and Africa. And we had spent a part of our uh, honeymoon in, in Zambia. And she really wanted to do it. And, and I was like, you know what? Like, I, I, don't, I don't like my career. So um, let's go do this together. I love animals and wildlife. It's kind of one of my big passions. And I was like, I'll just volunteer with animals in Africa, do some anti-poaching work, whatever it is, and, you know, just figure out what it is that I really want to do with my life. Um, And I was about to do that when luck would have it that a recruiter reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, hey, um, Amazon's looking to hire, uh, at the time it was a real estate lawyer. And I never, I, I didn't shop on Amazon back then. And this was when, this was way before Amazon was, what is was uh, or is what it is today? Um, they had yet to turn a profit. The stock, I think, was like under three hundred. It's almost two thousand now. Uh, they had released the Fire Phone that was just ridiculed in the tech press. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, no, I mean, it just it, you know this was this was still pretty much mature startup phase. Yeah. Um, but. I, I got the I got the note from the recruiter and I thought to myself, you know, it's kind of random, never lived on the West Coast. This would be a cool opportunity. I, I really have nothing to lose at this point in my career. So, you know, why not? And so, yeah, I mean, that 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 moment right there sort of 
rejiggered my career and put me on a totally different trajectory. And um, I, you know, I certainly certainly would not be at Google uh, in the situation that I am today if it wasn't for that random happenstance. Well, yes, random happenstance. You have to give yourself credit also for taking that leap because honestly, especially when you're feeling that way, right? You're not sure. It's a little scary to do that, to try. Yeah. And you don't know. I mean, this is just as blind of a roadmap as it was when you first started law, it sounds like. And sure. you're taking this it, it is, but at the same time, you know, I think when you feel like you have nothing to lose, that's when it's a little easier to take a risk like that, right? Because otherwise, you know, at that point in my life, I just, I just wasn't afraid of failure because I felt like I had already failed in a sense. Um, you know, I, I, did, I did feel like a failure in a, in a lot of respects. And again, objectively, people might look at where I was and be like, uh, how can you be a failure? Again, you're at you know, a decent law firm and you're doing well. Um, so that's when it's easier. I mean, I think, I think it's a lot harder for people to take those sort of chances when they feel like they have a lot to lose because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to fail. Um, so, yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's a big reason why, and especially knowing myself and who I, who I was and who I am, um, I don't think I would have taken that leap if, if I felt like I had a lot to lose. So when you made that leap, right, you're, you're in a new environment, for people who are not unfamiliar, right, mental health and, and actually talking about mental health like we are isn't very common. And so is therapy something that's one and done? Is it something that follows you throughout? What, what has it been for you, if you don't mind? clarifying. Yeah, no, de no, definitely don't mind talking about this. Um, it's definitely not a one and done type of deal. Um, I think when you get the courage to finally admit that you're struggling with a particular issue, definitely need to front load uh, the therapy and there's certainly more frequent sessions, but it's almost like, I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're totally out of shape and you want to get really in shape all of a sudden, on the front end, you're going to go really hard on the diet and go really intense on working out. But then at a certain point, you can kind of just maintain things. Mm -hmm. You know, you shed all the excess weight. And, um, and so that's how I feel with mental health and therapy, where in the front end, you're definitely doing a lot more intense therapy. It's more regular. Now, you know, over the years, it's, it's definitely less and less. I mean, now I probably go, I don't know, two times a year just to sort of check in and make sure that everything's good. Uh, but it's not something that I ever see completely going away. You know, there's, there's always, <laughs> there's always something to talk mm -hmm. about. But it's great to hear that you'd still check in. Like it's not something that you would, you know, want to be done with per se, but also the importance of it seems to have kind of hit you. I mean, you've gone through it. Oh, right? absolutely. And I, sure. it's, it's a wonder what, you know, for us now being a little bit more adultish than youngish, right? Because um, I have done, recently done therapy and it was great for me. I needed an outside party because, you know, family had been telling me everything's okay. It's fine. Like, mm -hmm. to your point, what do you have to be depressed about or just upset about or whatever? Yeah. And, you know, having that third party talk to them, right, as objective as they are, really helped me. But I wonder, because yeah. I know I've gone, you know, looking back, I'm sure there have been moments where I had been depressed or anxious or felt something uh, in high school, in college, that um, 
it's a wonder what 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 would happen if we had those resources available or where it wasn't yeah. so stigmatized, I guess, for kids to see someone, right? Absolutely. I mean, in your experience, whatever it is, have you heard or seen young people go to therapy? Seriously? Yeah, I mean, I personally, uh, and, and before we get to that, I like, I, you know, to, to hear that, and thank you for sharing, you know, your experience and the fact that you've been to therapy. I think if you had told me this 10, 15 years ago, and, and we've known each other for 35 plus years, I would have been shocked because like, I mean, your dad is one of the most positive people that I know. <laughs> you know, every time I see him, he's super happy yeah. and he's always so supportive. And, you know, you and your sisters have always also been um, super outgoing and super happy and always smiling. And so the old me before going through this experience, if I had heard that, I would have been like, really? Like, yeah. seriously? Like, what, what do you have to be sad about? Like, what, yeah. what is it that, um, but now being more mature and, and going through that whole experience, um, you know, I, 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 you know, there's no judgment whatsoever. Like, it totally makes sense. And um, yeah, so, you know, you, back to your question about um, kids, I, I personally don't know um, any, you know, teens or preteens that are going to therapy, but, but it is my understanding. And a lot of it is just a cultural change here, yeah. here in this country um, that uh, it is a lot more acceptable, you know, uh, counselors, high school counselors, school counselors are, are, are more so on the lookout for these things. But going back to the whole cultural thing, yeah, those resources might be there, mm-hmm. um, but depending on your family situation or the culture you're coming from, it's an even harder burden or an extra hurdle to jump to to, to seek out those resources. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm glad to hear that you know things are getting better. Counselors are becoming more aware and, and on the lookout um, for kids because I think that's where if we can start planting those seeds early, it would be great. And I mean, to your yeah. point about our family and my family, I lucked out, I think, um, in, you know, my parents, my mom and my dad, both are, are very happy people. And you're right. You know, old me would have been like, and I had bought with it myself of, uh, what do you have to be so down about? What mm-hmm. is it? And, you know, your parents, the initial reaction is pray about it. Right. Uh, but mm-hmm. admittedly, when I had told my parents, hey, I want to, I think I want to see a therapist about this. They were supportive. And I don't know um, if 10 years ago th- I would have gotten the same reaction. You know, yeah. I think there's something about the times and people coming and stepping up and sharing their story that is making our community and our older generation a little bit more open to the idea of it. Doesn't mean it goes away. Doesn't mean it was easy. Doesn't mean I wasn't scared as I'll get out to tell them yeah. this, but um I think slowly people are seeing the effects of mental health and and what Mm -hmm. it can do. So I'm hoping, you know, with stories like yours that come up and people are hearing it, people understand this. I mean, when you were young, you know, because we talked a little bit about it earlier, but looking back, would you say that you probably could have talked to someone who would have helped? have been able to talk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think if if there was an environment where that was encouraged, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, you know, you guys hearing this today, when you have kids, help them, you know, make it open and and okay for them to get help and and talk about it. Because that's, I think that's the whole thing. Everything we're doing is kind of for that. That's one of the reasons we have the show. And we have these, these, we share these stories. Um, Let's 
Sebastian, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because now you've kind of gone through this journey, you've done these things, you've had these experiences, right? And so many things have happened. You're here at Google now, rising star. None of this seems to have necessarily been planned. Like, as you said, you know, people have reached out to you. Um, I don't know if you saw Google or if they saw you, but like, are you where you want to be? Do you think that there's a next step for you? Um, you're going to go to Europe next. I don't know. You, you're an adventurer <clears throat> guy, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. But like uh, right now, where you are, yes, you may be happy. And I I'm absolutely think you are. Uh, but like looking out, looking at five years from now, you see yourself where you are? Do you see? What do you see? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I've always been somebody who always looks ahead. So what is the next step? What is the next chapter going to be? And I think one of the problems in doing that is it's hard to really appreciate and focus on the here and now. And I think for the first time in my life and my career, I want, again, I, I love what I do at Google. I love the company. It's a fantastic place to be really cool opportunities, get to travel the globe for work, uh, work on some really cool projects. I'm, tr I'm really trying to focus on doing the best that I can do in this current situation and not looking ahead towards what is it that I want to do next. Because I, I, I think I've started to realize that you know, I, I would have never gone looking for Amazon. Um, you know, the next Amazon may, again, sort of come looking for me. Um, and so, you know, so I mentioned I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not religious anymore, but um, I still read a lot of uh, Buddhist philosophies. And one of the things that I love about Buddhism and Buddhist philosophy is that it tells you to really focus on the here and now. And one of the things that causes a lot of pain or problems in people's lives is that they always want, they always want something, they always want something more. And so I've taught myself to really appreciate what it is that I have now. I mean, I'm incredibly lucky to be at Google. I mean, this is one of the hardest companies to, to get hired at. I think, I think officially we have like a 1% um, admit rate for people who uh, apply for jobs here. And so I don't take this job for granted. I don't take, especially given the road that I've taken to get here, um, I, I don't take this situation for granted at all. So I'm really trying to focus on the here and now. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't see myself leaving Google, um, but I'm, I'm open to, you know, if there's something cool, if Google wants me moving to Europe or Africa or Asia or whatever it is, I'm, I'm certainly you know, down for that at some point in the future. But yeah, I try not to focus too much on, on uh, tomorrow. Um, just focus on again, the here and now. That's some great advice. That I mean, I asked the question because some people actually have a thought, but, you know, a remi yeah. great reminder that, you know, to appreciate where we are right now at the same time. Otherwise, what's the purpose? Yep, yep, exactly. So before I let you go, we got two things to do. One, what okay. is... One thing you would recommend to our fellow listeners and dream chasers today? Yeah, the one thing. So I, I told, I mentioned to you that that, that I read um, a lot, and uh, there was a book that um, I just finished finished up, and one of the things that that was in that book 
that really resonated with me was that it's that it's actually okay to quit. It is okay to walk away from something. And I think a lot of us are just, you know, we 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 don't want that embarrassment. We don't we don't want that shame. We think that if you quit, it's a reflection on your character or who you are. But honestly, sometimes quitting is the best answer. You know, whether it's a job that you don't love or like for a whole host of reasons, or a relationship, or um, you know, friendships that you might have. I mean, sometimes to make it to the next level, personally or professionally or whatever it is, it does mean quitting something, and that shouldn't be something you should be embarrassed about um, or shameful about. Um, it's sometimes it's the first step to to launching yourself to that next level. I love that. I love that because how many of us haven't held on to something too long, and when we finally let go, we realize there was something better waiting for us. Yep. Yeah. All right, it's that time. Time to get to know you a little bit better with some questions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We got five random questions to get to know you okay. just a little bit better. All right. Randomly, question one: If you this is appropriate. If you could be great at one sport, which would you choose? Whew. That is a good question. You know, I'm going to have to go, uh, especially since it's October and we just wrapped up the World Series. I was a huge baseball fanatic growing up. Like my dream was to be a pro baseball player. So I would have to go with baseball. It seems like you, the contracts are, you know, they're guaranteed and uh, there's also a less likelihood of getting injured. So yeah, let's go with baseball. I like that answer. I like that answer. All right. I mean, especially when the Nationals win. Can't be mad at that. That was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, living in DC, I was a Nats fan for a while. So it was cool. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, Still, still, still a Orioles fan, even though it's been uh, hard the last couple of years. It has. Like that 14 year drought. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You tell me if you want another question. I'm going to ask what do you learn from the teenagers you know? Do you have teenagers that you know? I don't, I don't. That's why I was like, wait a minute. Here, if you were on this side of the world, I think that you might be able to come up with some. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, okay. What was the last thing you made by hand? The last thing I made by hand. Oh God, this 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 question's gonna get me in trouble because it's like constantly my wife's biggest complaint is that I don't like to do sort of like handiwork around the house. And I have a lot of friends who will make like cabinets or stuff like that and she'll be like oh look what you know dennis just did why don't why don't you do that um have you wow. made anything despite and my all dad's of that a mechan- no and my dad's a mechanic and like he you know worked with his hands all his life i have you baked anything have you cooked anything oh uh, well, there we go okay uh I'm trying to help you out man so yeah no we get we get three free meals a day at google so i haven't cooked anything uh, recently, geez. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think just like assembling something count. I will take it. Okay. Okay. So, um, so I bike to work. I, I live like 10 minutes away from the office. And so I had to build this like contraption on the back of my bicycle so that my dog can ride with me and my bike to go to work. Oh, did you use so a, that's probably the last thing. Did you use like a basket or something? There's a, yeah, there's a basket. I mean, there's like a whole kit that came from Amazon to put it together. I was very proud of myself putting it together. So. There, there you go. He put a kit together, guys. 
Give it to him. There we go. There you go. <laughs> Number three. What do you enjoy eating when you're alone? Um, so I like I'm really big into fitness. I try to eat really clean, but one of one of my weaknesses is cool ranch Doritos. I love cool ranch Doritos. The best kind. It's the I best mean, kind. I, I don't indulge all that often, but when I do, it's okay. it's, I love it. Don't have to <laughs> indulge all that often. It makes the one times you indulge even better. Absolutely. Even better. All right, number four. <laughs> uh, okay, this is interesting. What makes a person exceptional? You know, I would, I would have to say, I mean, there, I think there are a lot of things, but the one thing, and I think maybe relevant to the discussions we've had today, is excelling at something that is totally outside of the norm. Mm. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, not going the typical doctor, lawyer, engineer path. Um, or, you know, not going uh, a path that might be culturally acceptable or acceptable to, to one's family. Uh, I don't know. To me, that that's, I think that's something that makes somebody exceptional and super interesting. I love it. I don't disagree with it. I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> All right. The things he's come up with. All right. Would you rather... Oh, so this is the last question. Would you rather age forward or backwards from this point? Uh, I would want to age forward, to be honest. Like I was talking to somebody about how excited I am for my 40th birthday coming up. Cause that seemed to be a big thing. Now people doing these like crazy wild trips for their 40th yeah. birthdays. Um, and I don't know if it's a West coast thing. Cause people here tend to like not have kids or have kids much later in life and don't have less, uh, holding them down. But yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm like looking forward to hitting my forties and seeing what life has in store. So yeah, definitely moving forward. I like that. I like that. We were talking to someone else and I was like, you know, we're in our thirties, but I feel like I could be in my twenties. Like it doesn't, yeah. like there's no cutoff, but I feel like pe some people have already kind of put a stigma on, Ooh, forties, you're, you're, you're downhill from why, why? No, we're okay. no I look at, I look at it as being uphill. I mean, I feel like physically, mentally, everything I'm, I'm better off than I was when I was in my twenties. So um yeah you're doing it man i'm so happy you were <laughs> able to come on listen thank you so much for everything for your open and such an honest conversation i really appreciate it yeah no, thank you for having me I, I really appreciate it i i uh was really excited to chat with you i'm really glad we got to touch on some of the mental health issues i mean i think it's it's really important um for that message and acceptability to get out there Absolutely. Um, just because, I mean, it, 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 it can save a lot of lives. You know, I've been there, so. Yeah. So, see you guys. Yeah. No, listen, very thankful. And guys, you can find all the show notes from today's episode over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 210. That's episode 210. All right. Until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.